Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 424, and today we are talking about books being released on August 1st, 2023, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Danica Ellis, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Danica, hello! Hello! How's it going? Good! We were talking before the recording about you looking for your your hiding cat in your house. Yes. I wouldn't have been able to record if, if I hadn't found him. Yeah. What I did recently was get a GPS tracker for my new dog, Scrappy, because he has gotten out twice. (gasps) Oh, my goodness. And it was the scariest thing. So now what I had been doing is watching him in the backyard, like every time, no unsupervised time. And he just wants to hunt lizards all day. So (gasps) I got him. (laughs) He's no good at it. So he doesn't catch any. (laughs) But yeah, I got him a GPS tracker, and now I just watch him on my phone all the time, and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Recommend. Oh, my goodness. My friend got a ring camera, but for her backyard, and she keeps oh. sending me videos of animals in her backyard. I'm like, I want one, but we don't really have it. Like, she has, like, deer and turkeys and rabbits. Whoa. We don't really get things like that, you know? Mm. And also, I'm worried if I... If I got one, I'd find things in my backyard, like people, <laughs> like that. <laughs> Just inviting a horror story. Yeah. Like, we, we have we have a closed-off backyard, but, like, the, I think it was, like, the second year that we lived here, we went outside one morning, and there were a bunch of empty little nips in our oh. backyard. Like, someone had been back there drinking, and that That's was creepy. really upsetting. Yeah, I didn't yeah. enjoy that. So, yeah, but, I, you know... Maybe, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about those cameras yet. So we'll see. Yeah. But I do like the bunny videos. That's fun. (laughs) And the turkey, she has a turkey with 10 babies. And like they all like follow their mom across the lawn and back the other way and back and forth. It's really cute. Adorable. Yes. What? Where are we in this recording? How far have we gotten? All right. Plenty of time. (laughs) I want to tell you that today is an enormous New release day. It's probably the biggest new release day of the second half of the year. Just for paperbacks alone, I went to look through paperbacks to choose for the show, and I hit the criteria and, you know, to pull up the titles, and normally there's like 12, 13 pages in this one site that I use. There were 26 pages. <laughs> like twice as many. And I was like, how am I going to choose? <sighs> But also excited because that's so many books. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, and in just like in, in new, those are paperbacks, both new and coming out from hardcover. But like in hardcover, there's so, so many. Yeah. It's very exciting. So last week, bad me, I forgot to mention that the area code was 423, which was in Tennessee. Hello to all the people in Tennessee. I did mention it on Backlist, but still. 
forgot last week. This week, the area code 424 covers West Los Angeles and South Bay areas, including Santa Catalina Island, Hermosa Beach, Beverly Hills, Malibu, Santa Monica, and other major neighborhoods in the city. Hmm. That's a lot. Yeah. Hello, Hollywood. <laughs> hello, movie stars. <laughs> so, hello to everyone out there in California. And before we start talking about books today, we want to remind you about tailored book recommendations. If you want to escape the dog days of summer, unless you're Danica's dog who wants to escape, you can check <laughs> out perfect book recommendations with tailored book recommendations. We pick awesome books to keep you entertained. Touch grass, grab some lemonade, and enjoy TBR's picks. They're great for readers of all stripes, and they have plans for all budgets, so visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. So that's exciting. And now we are going to hear from our first sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Underlined. Haven't read a Natasha Preston thriller yet? We dare you to try. She's known for her line of chilling young adult suspense novels like The Cellar and The Fear. The New York Times and USA Today bestselling author excels at putting fear into the hearts of her readers. So her newest book titled The Dare is about five friends whose senior prank goes very, very wrong. This is the perfect graduation season read for thriller fans who can handle a good scare. The Dare is now available wherever books are sold. You can learn more about it at getunderlined.com. So again, this young adult thriller is about five friends with a prank that goes wrong. There are dark secrets, a twisty plot, and creepy I know what you did last summer vibes. So if you, you know, it's graduation season, you want to revel in that, but like make it scary. You know what I mean? Pick up The Dare by Natasha Preston. And thanks again to Underline for sponsoring this episode. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. We need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Okay. I don't even know that I can talk about this next book. I think I'm just going to make like high pitched sounds because I just, I, I loved it so much. I feel like it melted all my bones while I was reading it. I was just like, oh, I loved it. It is the new Anne Patchett novel called Tom Lake. Anne Patchett, beloved author, indie bookstore owner, has, I don't know, a dozen books under her belt at least. My favorites are Bel Canto, about the opera singer and the hostage situation, which won the Orange Prize, which is now called the Women's Prize. I also loved The Dutch House. This is a beautiful, sad, wistful novel. It's about Laura, who in the year 2020 is in northern Michigan on her family's farm. They have this huge farm next to some other huge farms. They pick cherries, they pick pears, they raise goats, and it is the first summer of the pandemic when this takes place. Laura has three adult daughters, all in their early to mid-twenties, and they are all home because of the pandemic. College has shut down. Uh, two of them are in college. 
and school is shut down, so they're at home doing remote learning. Their oldest Emily actually lives on the property with her boyfriend. She wanted to grow up and take over the farm, and that is what she's she is working towards. Uh, their middle daughter, Maisie, is going to school to be a vet, and so she's getting lots of calls because even though she's not finished with her schooling, she knows what she's doing, and so she gets lots of calls in the middle of the night, like a calf has breached or, you know, a, an animal is sick or, you know... Some other, like, upsetting calls about animals that she's going to go help with. And then they have the youngest, Nell, who wants to be an actor. And being an actor actually runs in the family. Because, for a time, Lara was an up-and-coming actor. Because when she was in high school, she was cast in the role of Emily in a production of Our Town. Which is, like, the big main lead. And she loved it. Like, she watched everybody audition, and she's like, I could probably do that. And she auditioned, and she got the role. And then she thought that was fun. Then she went to college. She took the same role in a production in college. But this time, she was spotted by a Hollywood bigwig and invited to come out to California, be in a big movie. That led to some other roles, some commercials. All this ends up with her in her early 20s doing summer stock theater in a production of Our Town at Tom Lake in northern Michigan, and falling in love. The source of her affection is actually what her daughters want to hear about. That is what this story is. The novel takes place over a few days as they work the cherry trees together, because the workers that they normally have are unable to join them because of the pandemic. So Laura and her daughters and her husband are picking cherries, and Laura tells them about Peter Duke, a... Now, world-famous, Oscar-winning actor who was her boyfriend for that summer at Tom Lake. The girls knew it growing up, but she can talk to them more like adults about it now. Even though it was only one summer, her relationship with Peter Duke is going to have lasting effects on her life, which we learn about as the story unfolds. It's not just a story about young love and friendships, but about her relationships with her daughters. She had the hardest time with Emily when she was growing up. They butted heads all the time. You know, she still feels like their relationship is a little precarious. And, you know, it's hard for all of them being around each other all the time again right now. But, you know, she's also so thrilled. You know, she feels guilty because her family is all in one place again like it used to be. And, the, and she feels guilty because the world is falling apart. But she has everything she loves in one place right now. Even though that place is also changing. And her daughters are learning about their mother. A woman they knew dated the world's handsomest, most famous actor and gave it up and didn't really understand it when they were young. Like, why wouldn't you still be with a movie star? You know, but they're also seeing her in a new light and Laura is seeing her past in a new light. You know, hindsight 2020, you know, thinking about the things that she didn't realize then, the choices that she should have made, uh, the things that she should have spoken up about. It's lush and melancholy and just about perfect. I do want to give content warnings for mentions of a minor adult relationship, infidelity, passing mention of child death. There, like I said, there is a lot of mention of animal sickness and death because the, of the veterinarian daughter. Um, there's self-harm, substance abuse, racism, untreated mental illness, trauma, gore, and loss of a loved one. This is Tom Lake by Anne Padgett. My first book I want to talk about is The Narrow by Kate Alice Marshall. And this is a YA gothic horror, which I usually only read horror in the fall around October. But I gotta say, if reading horror in the sunshine, kind of great. I recommend it. 
When I got an email about this book, I had to ask the publisher if there was any queer main character in this because I couldn't tell from the description, which is very funny now that I've read it because this book is so queer. The main character is bisexual, there's an FF romance, and there are a lot of queer side characters. I can't really get into details without spoiling anything, but suffice to say, this is a very queer book. It is, as I said, contemporary YA gothic with elements of dark academia. It all takes place at a boarding school. Eden goes to Atwood Boarding School to escape from her unstable and sometimes dangerous home life, especially her brother. Her parents have just spent so much money on her brother's legal fees, though, that there is nothing left for tuition, which she doesn't find out until she arrives at Atwood and they tell her that her tuition hasn't been paid for. But they did offer her a solution, which is that she can stay tuition free if she agrees to be Delphine's companion. Delphine was Eden's roommate for exactly one day. And that night, Eden and her best friend jumped the narrow. And the narrow, the title of the book, is a river that runs by the school that is very dangerous and has claimed a lot of lives. And there's basically this lore around it that no one has ever survived falling in. So Eden and her best friend, they jump over the river. A lot of students do this just, you know, because they're teenagers and think they're immortal. And Delphine, they don't realize, has followed behind them, and she tries to do the same thing, and she slips and falls in. By the time Eden returns to her room, Delphine is somehow back there, and she is soaking wet, but apparently unharmed. And it turns out, though, that whatever happened there in the narrow has changed her. And now, if she has contact with any drop of unfiltered water, she will get extremely ill. So she lives in this building on the Atwood grounds, completely isolated. She basically has to live in a bubble. And every year, her parents pay the tuition of a girl who will be her companion. They have to decontaminate themselves on the way in. They keep Delphine company, staying there at night. Eden isn't eager to take this offer because she never talked to Delphine about what happened that night. And actually, they never really told anyone what happened that night. But she doesn't have any other options. So she takes the deal. And soon she finds ominous notes left from the last companion who had to be taken off campus. Suddenly, something happened to her. She's not sure what. What's interesting is Eden and Delphine's dynamic, because even though there is that awkwardness at first, Eden's really intrigued by Delphine. She's not really the girl that she knew before. This isolation has made her blunt. It's given her a different perspective on things. And Eden is surprised to find herself falling for her. And as she does, she is determined to figure out what is really wrong, what's happening that's keeping Eden isolated, that's making her sick, because it really doesn't seem to be medical. And soon she starts seeing this ghost showing up in the house and realizes that she is in danger too. 
This relationship that they have is interesting because Eden does have a solid group of friends at school. She loves these friends, but she also lies to them constantly. She doesn't feel like she can tell them about her home life or what happened the summer before. She's still hiding her healing injuries from the summer before and dodges their questions. Delphine, though, asks Eden to promise not to lie to her. She's basically her only connection to the outside world, and she says she doesn't need Eden to like her, but she needs her to be honest, which means that Eden finds herself being more vulnerable with this virtual stranger than she can be with her friends. I really found the friend group to be a big strength of the story, even though they don't take center stage. All three of them are high achievers in their chosen fields. They're artists, athletes, academics, and Eden feels like she can't live up to the standards that they set. She really feels like an outsider in her own inner circle, even though they've been really close friends for years. She has a lot of issues with self-worth and possibly has depression. And as things at Abigail House get more dangerous, she has to decide how much she values her own life. I also thought it was fun to read a ghost story where the ghost is very corporeal. I'm used to gothic stories where at least the first part of the book, you can't tell if the main character is just imagining things. But in this book, the ghost is pretty hard to deny. It's very physical, and pretty quickly other people see it too, so there's not really a question about whether it's real. When I got near the end of the book, I realized that there were several possible endings that I would not have appreciated. It's got a lot of things going on. It's juggling a lot of elements. But luckily, it nailed the landing for me. If you're a fan of reading horror in the sunshine, definitely recommend picking this up. And if you haven't tried it, you should. Horror. It's not just for October. Uh, I also want to give some content warnings for depression, unspecified mental health issues with her brother, abuse, both familial and relationship abuse, violence, and discussion of homophobia. And that is The Narrow by Kate Alice Marshall. All right. I love her. We're going to talk about her in a little bit, but not yet. This is my first one by her. I definitely need to read more. <gasps> oh, she's great fun. Plus, she has... An adult novel that came out in January that oh. I loved was so fun. But I'm going to talk a little bit oh. more about her later. You're going to find out why. But my other pick for today that I loved is Family Lore by Elizabeth Acevedo. And Elizabeth Acevedo is another author like Kate Alice Marshall who wrote several YA books. And now this is her first novel for adults. It was just nominated for the Center for Fiction's 2023 Debut Novel Prize which was announced yesterday, I think, the day before. Very exciting. And why I don't know why I'm even saying that, because yesterday when you were listening to this is different than yesterday when I'm talking about it now. But anyway, moving on. So like I said, this is her first novel for adults. She is the award-winning author of YA books, including With the Fire on High, The Poet X, and Clap When You Land. All fantastic family lore is narrated by the women in a Dominican-American family. There are four sisters in the family, and one of them has a gift. Or maybe it's a curse. Floor can predict the date that someone is going to die. She has always had this ability, and one day she calls her three sisters, and she wants to get together. And they're like, okay, why? And she says, I want you to throw me a wake. 
but, you know, technicality, she's not dead. She knows this. She wants a living wake. The sister's like, well, what does this mean? Does this mean that she's seen her death? Like, does she know when she's going to die? Is she going to die soon? What's going on? And she won't tell them. Floor is not saying why she wants this. Now, along with Floor's three sisters, there are two cousins who are the daughters of the sisters. They are all going to gather for this wake. And they all have secrets. Over the three days before the wake, the death party, whatever you want to call it, we learn the complexities of their relationships and the secrets that they are hiding from one another as we race to find out why Floor has really brought them all together. Now, what does this gathering mean for their futures? It's a wonderful family novel with a bit of magic thrown in. It's about the bonds of family. It's about sisters. If you love Acevedo's YA novels and the magic that she brings to those, it's like that. It's wonderful, but with more grown-up content. Although, I highly recommend reading her YA novels as well, because they're fantastic. And it also makes you think about that question that occasionally gets raised. Would you want to know when you're going to die? Me? I don't think I would. Like, I'm like 99% sure I wouldn't want to know, but I also know that I make really bad decisions, so I would probably peak anyway, and then I would be sad. So, but would you want to know? This is just a really great novel. I want to give content warnings for substance abuse, infidelity, sexual assault, animal death, miscarriage and infertility, misogyny, partner abuse, child abuse, and loss of a loved one. This is Family Lore by Elizabeth Acevedo. This is one of those books that I feel like I've heard people talk about for so long that I was really surprised that it's only just come out now. I feel like yeah, everyone's been so excited about this for a long time. Yeah. I also love the cover. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's just like this wicker chair illustration with like flowers up the side. I have a weird thing for chair illustrations. I don't know why. <laughs> anyway, I love that one. I loved um, A Very Typical Family by Sarah Godfrey. Had like that stack of chairs. I have a folding chair tattooed on my wrist. I have a chair thing. I don't know what's going on here. Have you done an Instagram post for that? Because I feel like you need to now. All your chair books. <laughs> chair books. Yeah, that would be fun. All right. My next book that I want to talk about that I also loved is Falling Back in Love with Being Human, Letters to Lost Souls by Kai Cheng Tom. I just adore Kai Cheng Tom's writing, whether it's her stunning novel, Fierce Femmes and Notorious Liars, one of my favorite books of all time, or her essays or poetry, even her advice columns. I read everything she writes, and I always love them. This collection is a really interesting mix of formats that I have trouble categorizing. It's kind of poetry, kind of essays, but there are also sort of self-help elements to it. It is a collection of love letters addressed to people ranging from celebrating other trans women to reaching out to intensely transphobic and racist people. It comes from, as she describes it, her attempt to embrace the revolutionary belief that every human being, no matter how hateful or horrible, is intrinsically sacred. I always feel like reading her writing kind of brings me back to the person I want to be, the philosophy I would like to have, even if I don't always actually follow it. And she talks about what happens when we imagine loving the people and the parts of ourselves that we do not believe are worthy of love. 
And that's what these love letters are. And between each letter are instructions ranging from really simple ones to more elaborate ways to embody the letter that came before. So for example, there's write a list of ways you can support the trans femme people in your life or go into the woods, lie down, cover yourself in leaves. There's also write a prayer of hope on a piece of paper and leave it somewhere for someone else to find. I thought these were so interesting to have in between each of these letters. I tried to do the ones that I could as I read, and even when I couldn't, I stopped to think about them, which really forced me to slow down and actually process what I was reading, which I think I should be doing with poetry anyway. So I think that's such a good technique. I was highlighting so much as I read. There are so many thought-provoking and memorable lines. I would love to get some of these lines as sort of an art print, have it up on my wall. I would love to be reminded of them. Part of why I enjoy Kai Cheng Tom's writing so much is that she really makes so much room for the complexity of human beings. So for example, discussing the abuse that happens within the queer community and how even activist communities can fundamentally treat people as disposable and really looking at this from a broader perspective. This is only 176 pages, but it definitely benefits from being read slowly if you are looking for hope or a lens that offers an alternative to punishment-based justice systems. Definitely pick this up as well as all of Kai Cheng Tom's other work. And that is Falling Back in Love with Being Human by Kai Cheng Tom. And so... Those are some books that we have read and enjoyed. And now we're going to talk about a few books out today in paperback and hardcover that we're excited about but haven't necessarily read. My first pick is a queer novel called Bellies by Nicola Dinan. I've heard nothing but rave reviews about this book. A couple of authors that I greatly admire have recommended it. I haven't been able to get my hands on a copy yet, but it sounds amazing. It's about a young couple, two young men named Tom and Ming living in London, and the changes in their relationship when Ming announces that she is going to transition. What future does this mean for their relationship? It's about Tom and Ming and the people in their orbit. I've heard it's very smart, it's very funny, it's full of heart. It sounds fantastic. Danica, is this one on your radar? Oh, definitely. Yeah, this yeah. is one I'm I'm really excited about. Yeah, someone at Book Riot read it. I can't remember who, but they were raving about how wonderful it is. So uh, this is at the top of my list to get uh, on release day. It's called Bellies, and it's by Nicola Dinan. Yeah, that one looks so good. The one I wanted to talk about, or one of them, is Damned If You Do by Alex Brown. And I have to read you the tagline of this book because it completely sold me on it. The tagline is queer Buffy the Vampire Slayer meets Filipino folklore in this horror comedy about a high school stage manager who accidentally sells her soul to a demon. And every part of that tagline is perfect. I also was very intrigued by that. Right? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that is how you sell a book. <laughs> yep. So much packed in. You put Buffy on anything. I'm there. Exactly. Yeah. Despite all the issues I have with that show, I love it. It has a place in my heart. There's actually an official Buffy book 
out today too. One about Tara. So I'm going to be reading that too. But anyway. Sorry, I got I got excited. Sorry. <laughs> it's very fair. So this is about Cordelia Scott, who is 17 years old and spends her time being a stage manager of the school play, as well as pining over her best friend, Veronica. She may not be excelling academically, but overall, her life is going pretty well. At least it has been since her abusive father walked out of her life when she was 10. She really thinks about it. It does feel like something in her life is a little off, but you know, that's just being a teenager, right? So when she is called into the guidance counselor's office, though, it's not because she failed another pop quiz. It's because Fred, the guidance counselor, is actually a demon, and he has a favor to ask, because Cordelia made a deal with him years ago to sacrifice a part of her soul to send her father to hell, and then also made a deal to forget that she did it. So now Fred is collecting what's owed, and Cordelia has to deal with a rival demon or spend eternity with her father in hell. This one sounds like it's full of sapphic yearning, I'm told. I'm a huge fan of the friends to lovers trope. And apparently the characters are all really charming, even Fred, the demon. If you're a fan of Buffy, urban fantasy YA, or demon hunting, this one looks really fun. I started reading the first few chapters. I'm really enjoying it so far. This is Alex Brown's first novel, but you might have read her short stories in The Gathering Dark or Night of the Living Queers. And that is Damned If You Do by Alex Brown. Come on, even a character named Cordelia? Right? (laughs) In the Buffy comparison? Hmm... I know what they're doing. <laughs> that sounds really fun. Now I want to be reading that instead yeah. of anything else that I have. I'm sure you can fit it in. It'll be a quick read. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, yeah. Plenty of time. Uh, so I'm going to tell you about my next pick, which I have actually read. Uh, but first, we are going to hear from another sponsor. Okay. So I have mentioned a few times now that I've been trying to find books that scare me, and I gave up on reading fiction because it wasn't working for me. Uh, I mean, I was enjoying it, but, like, it wasn't really scaring me, and so I've been reading about the ocean because I am so scared of the ocean! And also, sharks, which there have been several warnings in the beaches uh, recently in Maine, uh, where they've had to have people come in from the water because there were sharks out there. Like, and don't get me wrong, I don't think sharks are mean. I just think, like, they're gonna bite you because they want to eat you because they don't know what you are. But anyway... So, my next pick today is related to the ocean. It is The Underworld, Journeys to the Depths of the Ocean by Susan Casey. You might recognize Susan Casey's name. She's written several books, including The Devil's Teeth, which is about the Great Whites off the coast of San Francisco. Uh, There's also The Wave, which is exactly what it sounds like. She wrote a book about dolphins. She was an editor for Oprah.com for a while. And... This is about how she literally wanted to go to the bottom of the ocean, like the 36,000 feet down, very farthest bottom that there is below. I learned, uh, like, I'm going to try not to talk too much about this book because I could go on for like days, but I learned so much from this book, including the fact that for every $150 that we spend uh, working on space travel and investigating space, we spend $1 researching the ocean. We have sent three rovers to Mars in the time it has taken us to build one submersible that can travel to the ocean floor safely, mostly safely. Most of the ocean floor has still been unexplored. Like, we know a lot about what's at the top, 
but about 90% of the dark, deep ocean floor has not been explored. And there are several levels to the ocean. The top level that goes from the top down to 600 feet is often referred to as the sunshine level. This is where everything that you and I know, people who don't study the ocean, these are where all the creatures are that we know, like the whales and the sharks and the fish. We could like name all those, right? Below that level, there is like all dark. It's all dark from there on down. And there's the twilight zone, the midnight zone, the abyssal zone, and then the Hadal zone, which is at the very, very bottom, which is named for Hades because it's at the bottom. And while I was reading this book because I was so scared because I am terrified of things in the ocean, I kept reading it as the abysmal zone because that was how I was feeling about thinking about being in the ocean, but it's the abyssal zone. And we know so little about it. I learned that Aristotle is considered our first marine biologist because he studied the ocean. He studied the tides. He studied everything that he could get his hands on that washed up or that he caught. He would cut it open and look at it. And he wrote a book about stuff in the ocean. And everyone was like, wow. And then... After him, Pliny the Elder wrote a book and was like, The ocean is filled with dragons and monsters and things with five heads and lots of teeth. And everyone's like, yeah, that sounds cooler. We're going to believe that now. And that is where our ideas of, like, monsters in the ocean started to come from. You know, because Aristotle actually had a lot of it right, but it's not as exciting as monsters. So at the start of this book, Casey is waiting to see if she can drop to the ocean floor. She's going to get in this submersible that's going to go 36,000 feet down, to where no one has been before, meaning that, like, this spot on the ocean floor where they land, like, no one has landed there before. Um, but the weather is not cooperating, so she might be missing her window. Um, and we find out, like, how she developed a love for the ocean, which actually, like Greg Skomal, who wrote the book Chasing Shadows about great whites that I talked about a few weeks ago, she discovered her love of the ocean just like him by watching Jacques Cousteau on TV. They are both uh, the same age. They're in their early 60s. Uh, and they both said that they, they saw the show and, and people were like, ah, oh, it's so scary, but sh they were transfixed. I'm not going to tell you if she gets to go to the bottom of the ocean floor, but I really feel like this is an important book. And, you know, I was trying to think, like, what inspires people now? You know, like, what are kids watching, like, the Jacques Cousteau show that is making them go, this is what I want to do with my life and this is what is inspiring me. And then I realized, like, this book was inspiring me. I've read... So many things about the ocean and sharks recently that I, I feel like I have to do something. Um, so much of our survival depends on the health of our oceans. And like, for instance, uh, COVID testing. We use things that we discovered on the ocean floor to help make tests to test for COVID, which is like amazing. But we keep going up instead of down. And it's just fascinating. Uh, you know, between all these books, you know, I really feel like I have to take a long, hard look at how we do things in our household, because I think that some changes need to be made. I feel really inspired by this, um, starting with, you know, I'll kick my husband out and then I won't use as much water for laundry. Don't tell him I said that. But I just really feel like moved and inspired by all of this. And so I recommend reading any of those books that I mentioned, including the one that I, I also mentioned last week, The Deepest Map by Laura Trethaway. And I'm going to stop babbling about this now, but I'm feeling very passionate. So uh, this book is The Underworld Journeys to the Depths of the Ocean by Susan Casey. I'm so excited to read this. I have had a fascination with the deep ocean since I was a kid. So that is well, definitely near the top of my list. <laughs> you're going to learn a lot about it. I know I babbled like 
a Muppet, but I just, I don't know. I really feel like, wow, the way she explains how everything that we do from the weather to, you know, the animals to everything is tied into the ocean, mm-hmm. you know, and yet we're not spending any time yeah. at all, like paying attention to it. I just feel like, wow, I want to do something. Even yeah. if it means just like starting to donate to a different charity or something. I don't know. That's just me. Okay. The last book I want to talk about is The Year of My Life Went Down the Toilet by Jake Maya Arlo. This is a middle grade novel from the author of How to Excavate a Heart and Almost Flying. And it is about Al Schneider, who is 12 years old and constantly uncomfortable. One reason is that her stomach hurts all the time. The other is that she likes girls and hasn't told anyone And if that wasn't enough, her best friend and neighbor, Leo, keeps ditching her for drama club. And she can't exactly ignore it because Leo's mom and Al's mom have started dating. So Al is in a lot of discomfort. And then after narrowly avoiding an accident in gym class, she goes to the doctor and gets a diagnosis for her stomach issues, which is that she has Crohn's disease. But knowing what's wrong only seems to make things worse. Between her doctor and her overprotected mother, Al feels like her whole life is about Crohn's disease now. It's all anyone wants to talk to her about. And to make it worse, her doctor wants her to join a support group for kids with chronic illnesses. But Al doesn't want to talk about it anymore. It's embarrassing and sometimes scary. The author talks about how this book combines Jewish, queer, and chronic illness representation, all of which are parts of her life, and how she didn't think that she'd be able to get this kind of intersectional representation published. Arlo was diagnosed with Crohn's disease around the same age that Al has it. And this is supposed to have a lot of discussion about what it's like to have a chronic illness at a young age. And also, despite Al's initial hesitation, she ends up finding community with kids with similar experiences in a group that they call Bathroom Club. This looks like a much-needed addition to middle-grade lit. There are really very few middle-grade books that have disabled main characters or that talk about things like Crohn's disease. I'm sure there are a lot of kids who will really benefit from seeing their experiences on the page. And that is The Year My Life Went Down the Toilet by Jake Maya Arlo. Okay, so those are books that we are excited about. I have calmed down a little bit now. And we are going to talk about a few paperback releases. So paperback releases for today, starting with The Honeys by Ryan LaSala, a YA thriller about a group of mean girls at a summer retreat. Hawk Mountain by Connor Habib a thriller about a high school teacher who runs into his school bully. All This Could Be Different by Sarah Tankham Matthews, but a young queer college graduate who moves to Milwaukee and thinks she's starting her great adult life, but things don't work out the way she plans. Rivers Sing Me Home by Eleanor Shearer. This is historical fiction about a woman named Rachel who flees a plantation in Barbados in 1834 after the Emancipation Act is announced, which is basically... The same thing as slavery, so she decides to leave, and she goes to look for her children who were stolen from her and sold. Parish by LaToya Watkins, about a black Texan family gathering to say goodbye to the family matriarch. When We Were Sisters by Fatima Asgar, about three sisters who raise one another after their parents die. This won the Carol Shields Prize for Fiction. 
Surprisingly, I can't believe it's already out in paperback, but Big Swiss by Jen Began, which we talked about in February, about a transcriber for a sex therapist who starts a relationship with a patient under false pretenses. The character in this book, Greta, is very morally complex. She's not a great person. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of trauma. It's also really, really funny. I really enjoyed it. But I'm not going to say that the characters in this book are great people. The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, a Hunger Games novel by Suzanne Collins. This is the book in which she Darth Vadered President Snow. We go back and find out about President Snow when he was young, before he was evil. Now is Not the Time to Panic by Kevin Wilson, about a woman who is contacted by a journalist about something that she and her friend did when they were teenagers that she thought no one knew about. Stories from the Tenants Downstairs by Sadiq Fofana, eight interconnected stories about tenants in an apartment building. This one won awards, got all kinds of praise last year. It's really great. And a shout out to our fellow rioters, Jen Northington and Sharifa from the SFF Yeah podcast and like a million other places. Now, this is Fit for the Gods, Greek mythology reimagined, stories by such authors as Alyssa Cole, Zoraida Cordova, Maya Dean, Sarah Gailey, Mia P. Manansala, Taylor Ray, Valerie Valdez, and Sharifa herself. So hooray to them. That one is out as a paperback original today. So, Danica, that is a whole bunch of words that I said. <laughs> what are you going to read next? I think last time I was on the show, I talked about how much I wanted to read Basil and Oregano by Melissa Capriglione, and I finally got my hands on it. My hold finally came in, so I am really excited to read what looks like an absolutely adorable sapphic, it's like lower YA, uh, magical cooking school. It just looks adorable. And what are you going to read, Liberty? Because I continue to torment myself, I am going to read The Ocean Above Me by Kevin Seitz, which just came out at the beginning of July. It's about the captain of a shrimp boat who's trapped on the ocean floor. <laughs> I'd love to torment myself. And also, No One Can Know by Kate Alice Marshall, which is her second novel for adults. I Loved What Lies in the Woods, which came out in January. Danica talked about her new YA book, which is out today. This one is out January 23rd of 2024, and I'm very excited about this one. So there you have it. It's like the Kate, Alice, Marshall, and Liberty Talks About Ocean show today. <laughs> yeah. I'm not very good with the words, but I just, I don't know. I wanted to tell people how important the ocean was. Yeah. <laughs> in case they didn't know. All right. That is all for today. You can check out TBR's Get Tailored Book Recommendations by visiting mytbr.co to sign up today. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. Danica, where can people find you online? Mostly at my blog, The Lesbury, L-E-S-B-R-A-R-Y, though sadly also on Twitter at Danica Ellis. What about you? I still mostly hang out on Instagram at Franzen Comes Alive. If you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you get your podcasts and leave a review or a rating. It helps other book lovers to find us. And we thank you so much. 
As much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading. reading.